Hello and welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Katie Halper and I'm joined by Aaron Maté. Now, to understand why I'm joined by Aaron Maté, let's go to some breaking news coverage from our friends at the Vanguard. Um, we've talked about Useful Idiots in the past. One of our bigger clips on this channel was when they initially actually got booted by Rolling Stone. Useful Idiots was originally a Rolling Stone podcast, but uh, due to still seemingly unknown, mysterious reasons that Katie Helper refuses to tell us, um, they they got you know excised, cut from the platform. Um, you know, probably overstepped the line, had on some guest that was too controversial, or you know maybe Rolling Stone just uh, decided they didn't want to you know have anything to do with them anymore after Bernie or, or whatever. Who knows? Anyway, uh, felt only natural to bring you guys this breaking news. It looks like Matt Taibbi is going on book leave for a period of time. So uh, he says, I am indeed stepping away from hashtag useful idiots pod for a while with the excellent and far less senile Aaron Matte taking my place while I work on a book about thievery during the pandemic period, which I am super fucking excited about this. Everybody in our apartment, which is really just me, Gavin, and my girlfriend, but we were like, holy shit, Matt Taibbi's writing another book about fucking finances? Thank God. As you can see here, Aaron Matte responded and says, I'll be filling in on useful ideas for Matt while he's on book leave, big shoes to fill, and not just because he's taller than me. See you Monday with Katie Halper. And I think he's a natural fit for you know, to replace Matt, given the fact that they do share a lot of um, values politically and all that stuff. So, yeah, some interesting news from the useful idiots world. Um, you know, hopefully this uh, works out well and obviously best of luck. Good, uh, good wishes to, to both Aaron, Matt and Katie Helper. That was great coverage from the Vanguard, guys. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Van so thank you. And thanks thank for wishing for, us good luck. Thank you for, thanks for wishing us good luck. That was thorough yeah. coverage. One correction. I mean, it doesn't matter, but I do push back more than once a month. And come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't, yeah. I mean, honing, you're an experienced host. They, one thing I, one thing I'll push back on is maybe I'm reading too into it and being defensive, but they suggested you were going to hone your skills as a host. I think those are honed. <laughs> What's true is that we will, you'll be able to, what I'm excited about, uh, and no disrespect to pushback, but I feel like lots of times when people come on my show, they're able to be funny in a way that they're not able to be, not like they're, enable unable to do it physiologically or psychologically but it's not it doesn't fit as well in what they're doing absolutely and they no get to come over no. so and i think yeah. we've already seen that you get to do that on this uh, to be honest with you i get to be more myself on your show than i do on mine which is a strange paradox but pushback it's at the gray zone it's serious we're talking yeah. about you know usually global issues of uh war sanctions things like that so it's right. just there's no room for for levity really so uh, well, I mean, there's always room for levity. You've you've come on my show. We joke about it, uh, but but it's I know, not I just thought on my show. Just, oh, not your show. show. Right, right, yeah, 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 this yeah, yeah. isn't. I don't know. Right. So I, I I'm really excited to be here. I'm really uh, thankful to Matt for uh, giving me the chance to fill in for him while he's gone. I'm really excited too about his book. It sounds it sounds awesome, and I can't yeah. wait to read it when it comes out. And uh, and to be clear, you know, this I'm just filling in. Matt will be back, and he'll even be popping back in. Yeah, he'll do pop ups while uh, while he's writing the book yeah now aaron are there any conflicts of interest that you want to disclose oh yes yes well look it's 2022 i want to be fully transparent there have been allegations made about me publicly before by some very esteemed journalists about uh me being paid by foreign governments uh, including russia and syria so in the interest of transparency i just want to come clean uh, about a major conflict of interest i have actually with this show which uh look might have serious consequences um when useful idiots went independent when you guys left rolling stone as as the vanguard guys mentioned and you joined substack usefulidiots.substack.com i immediately signed up which means now that i'm hosting the show i'm not only the temporary co-host but i'm also a patron of the show so I, right. i'm basically funding myself here yeah which I, I don't know how you feel about that katie uh i don't but, know but that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty big conflict of interest it is yeah you're a donor I'm a donor. Yeah, you're a donor to your own show. Yeah. So everything really I say on the show is tainted. Right. With my, with my own money. We're going to have to have like underneath on YouTube. In fact, uh, we are not I'm not not our decision. Now that we've confessed to this, YouTube's going to yeah. do it. It's going to yes. be like, what is it? What do they say? State Russian? What do they say for RT stuff? Like, yeah, state uh, state uh, sponsored media. Yes, it's going to be Mate sponsored media. Mate sponsored media, exactly. Yeah, better to get out in front of it. That's what we just did, guys. We got out in front of it. 
Hopefully you won't have to resign today. I, I hope it's not my last show. That would yeah, be, but this could become, show. this could become a major scandal. It could so be. Yeah, so I'm, I am treating this as if this is my last show. Right. And so it's yeah. going to be emotional. It's going to be, but we're going to get through it. We're going to get it's through gonna it. It's going to be a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. It's going to yes. be, you know, you're going to be having your first show, potentially your last show. <laughs> There's an element of mystery because we don't know. We're kind of, you're going to be walking on eggshells. You don't want to say anything that reveals your, you know, awkward funder relationship with the show. I will do my best for it not to taint my work here. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to cancel that. We don't want your money here. <laughs> That's blood money. Anyway. Again, thank you so much, Aaron, for doing this. People already like the Monday morning. So thanks so much for your positive feedback. Let's just, should we jump into it with the four basic food groups? Do it. Now, for people who are just joining, now there may be some Mate fans out there who are just here because they like Aaron Mate and they don't usually watch Useful Idiots. So for those of you just joining, um, we do something called the four basic food groups, which is Democrats suck, Republicans suck. Isn't that weird? Isn't that terrible? And the reason we do that is because Matt Taibbi's father, uh, had a colleague, a reporter, who said that all news stories can be broken down into four things. And that's Democrats suck, Republicans suck, isn't that weird, isn't that terrible? So that's how we start off the show. So we're going to start with me. We alternate every week, but this week I have Democrats suck. So if we could just go to this Business Insider story about big friend of show, Joe Manchin, who we we thought was uh, unable to stop masturbating, but... Uh, it looks like maybe he's going to be able to 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 stop. We'll see. New Year, same demands. Joe Manchin will consider supporting Biden's agenda if monthly child tax credits get an income limit or are removed altogether. This is like a pretty amazing thing to uh, object to. I mean, it's pretty sadistic, right? Like literally, this is something that if you have it's a, it's a tax credit for for when you have a child, right? It's the idea is that you get uh, more money to be able to take care of your kids, basically. I'm just going to read out the article. While Democratic lawmakers were disappointed to end 2021 without passing President Joe Biden's sweeping climate and social spending package, many of them remain confident that they would get it done in the new year. But West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, the centrist Democrat holding out on the package, doesn't appear to be easing up on his demands. Axios reported on Sunday that Manchin was open to revisiting negotiations to on the Build Back Better agenda if the White House removed the monthly child tax credit payments from the package completely or significantly lowered the income cap for eligible families, citing per, familiar, people familiar with the matter. This is a demand Manchin has long held. The expanded child tax credit would allow parents who earn below a certain income to receive monthly payments of $300 per child under six and $250 for a child between 6 and 18 for another year. But the last payment went out in December and has yet to be renewed because of Manchin's resistance. He told his Senate colleagues that he believed Americans would abuse government benefits like the extended child tax credit and paid leave. And he said they would use it to buy drugs and workers would abuse the paid family leave program and the legislation to get out of work and go on hunting trips. So this is interesting. Why is Joe Manchin concerned with um, the, the, this tax credit? What is he worried about? Well, apparently, Aaron, it's because of the crackhead daughters. Okay. He, he apparently, uh, he relayed in a meeting. Uh, there was a meeting with about a dozen advocates at Manchin's Charleston office in September. They were talking about this. And according to someone who was present, this is what she, what she said happened. He said he's gotten phone calls from one grandmother specifically talking about her crackhead daughter. He used the word crackhead three times, talking about her crackhead daughter running around using the child tax credit to buy drugs and get high instead of it going where it needs to go. So first of all, can you imagine Joe Manchin saying, well, I got a call from a constituent and her crackhead daughter is spending this money irresponsibly because she's a crackhead. We can't let these crackheads. I mean, I'm just imagining how we could use it three times, honestly. But it's just a it's so sadistic because, first of all, there's no evidence for what he's saying. And you can always imagine the worst case scenario in any kind of with any social safety net. Right. We don't deprive people of Social Security because we think someone is going to go and like wasted on on drugs it's just so it's it's like just the optics of it punishing children is pretty bad he's projecting first of all because he spends his money on what maseratis and yachts yeah right, right. so he's he's you know he looks at 
people, I think, through the same lens as 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 he looks at the world. But people aren't like him. People are right. actually struggling to put food on the table. And as you say, I mean, this this stuff, this line has been debunked. There have been studies done. Right. It's true. Vast majority of this money goes towards things like food and school supplies. And what he's saying is he wants to push millions of kids back into poverty after millions, I think something like nine or 10 million children were lifted out of poverty because of the expanded child tax credit. He's saying yeah. that's too much. He wants to push many millions of those back into poverty. It's, yeah. um, as you say, sadistic. It's sadistic. Like he's not, I think he's hinting around at it. I don't think he wants to openly state this. I mean, he stated it in meetings, but it's also the type of thing that you know, people, Republicans say this stuff out loud, like Louis Gomer. Remember, he was talking about how, like, poor people use food stamps for uh, king crab legs or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, yeah. well, I mean, it, it's been a trope forever. I mean, Reagan had his whole thing about welfare queens. Right. Exactly. Spending their money on Cadillacs. Yeah. I mean, this is just like um, this is what the ghouls of both parties have been saying yeah, exactly. for, for decades. But it used to be much more of a Republican thing. So actually, we should tip our hat to to Joe Manchin for showing such bipartisan cooperation <laughs> in his hatred of uh, working people and poor yes. people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think it's a pretty good Democrat suck, right? Uh, I think that's a uh, quintessential Democrat yeah. suck. I mean, it's hard to suck more than trying to push millions of kids back into, into poverty. poverty. Yeah. It's um, it's sickening. And now he's talking about he's saying, like, don't even ask me about build back better anymore. We have other things to do. Yeah, the it just it just shows what a farce the last however many months were of these supposed negotiations where yeah. the progressive caucus gave up the only leverage they had, which was to pair build back better with the infrastructure bill. Yeah. Like Pramila Jayapal was saying, like, don't test us like we're, we're not going to back down. And then they they did back down. Yeah, actually do Biden, test us. Yeah, it's about Biden. So Biden did test you and they totally backed down. And uh, so they passed the infrastructure bill and then Mitch was like, you know what? Nah, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Can't do it. Can't I'm sorry. Back. I tried. Yeah. We played that video of him confessing that he couldn't do it. And remember, we should also keep in mind that that Mansion and Cinema, while they are villainous, they are kind of they're part of the rotating uh, villain game. So, yeah. of course, Biden could do more if he really wanted this. Absolutely. Um, and so we got to, you know, we have to make sure that we share our our just like Manchin has hatred for children, um, contempt for children. We want to make sure that we our contempt is appropriately applied to not just Manchin and cinema, but to the Democratic Party as a whole, with a couple of exceptions. And, you know, Biden, we're on to you. If you want to make this happen. Same thing with you, Schumer, Chucky, <laughs> we're on to both of you. So. All of you guys suck. So that's my Democrat suck. All right. So my Republican suck is, I don't know if you saw this, but there was this huge traffic fiasco in Virginia where people were just stuck on the roads for yeah. hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Including and Tim Kaine. Uh, including Tim Kaine, right, who was stuck. I think he said he was on the road for 27 hours. 27 hours. Crazy. Over 27, yeah. Yeah. Dana Perino of Fox News came in with a take that I thought was so funny. It's been going around, but this was her spin on what the problem was and how to fix it. I want to point out one thing that I do not believe has been said yet. Uh, I talked to a state legislator there in Virginia, and he pointed out to me that in the last several years, many on the left made a decision that local sheriffs should not be allowed to have military grade equipment. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they said that that was a bad symbol and that it was uh, too militaristic and authoritarian. But imagine if they had, were still allowed to have the equipment that they had just a few years ago, it probably would have come in very helpful today. Do you hear that, Katie? It's a good point. If cops could have, you know, even more lethal weapons and uh, like armored vehicles. <laughs> The the, right. be, the the traffic will be flowing in in Virginia. People would be right, you know, getting to work in no time. Yeah, they could just roll through there, like sh shoot about. I mean, I don't know. There's so many possibilities. They could like probably total some cars, right? Total cars, could, blow like, up, snow, blow up, like make the snow explode so that yeah. like it spreads right. to a wider location. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of like a decongestant by by lethal force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the irony, of course, is that. Uh, I think, you know, if you're trying to find a real culprit in terms of inadequate spending, had 
the U.S. government not be spending, you know, billions of dollars every single year to enrich the weapons contractors who mostly live in Northern oh, yeah. Virginia. There'd be money for infrastructure and equipment to clear the roads right. um, that wouldn't be going to the police, but to, you know, local public services. Yeah. Uh, like even like a even like a whole department, like a like to like just for that, because there'd be money because instead of spending all this money on useless machines of war we could pay for infrastructure in this country and yeah. snow snow removal snow removal could be just one thing right and you as a canadian apparently your people take care of this much, much oh my god well i mean in in fairness to the u.s i mean canada just gets more snow uh with the possible exception of vancouver which is not as much snow as the rest of canada but yeah i mean in in canada in like montreal or toronto the big cities yeah. if it snows like there is like there, there there is a force there is like they are ready yeah and they are clearing the streets constantly right yeah and well, uh, obviously they... you obviously you need that less here especially in a place like virginia but uh just imagine the possibilities if all this money wasn't going to enrich the weapons contractors of northern virginia they could be removing snow for the uh, right. weapons contractors of northern virginia right exactly i like the idea i mean part of me is happy because i like for i i like the fact that I mean, if this was a purely weapons contractor traffic lane, I'd be happy because mm. they should be inconvenienced. It's like a little bit of a low cost. To pay. Yeah, honestly, possibly even some lives were saved. Like if this inconvenienced some You're CIA, right. dro some CIA drone operators or something, or some uh, other kind of uh, shady intelligence operatives. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I a drone lives. attack wasn't carried yeah, out because the right. the drone operator was stuck in traffic. We should start doing civil disobedience in the form of traffic jams in that area. Just or just, or just dumping or just dump or just dumping snow. Just taking yeah. bags of snow and dumping it in the Northern Virginia highways. So it, right. it, it might save the world. It could, yeah. Okay, definitely a couple of people, a village or two. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's that's how Republicans suck. I do like. I wonder what her image of what they would do is. They could just. Sh blow up cars yeah blow up the car blow up the cars way. uh they could uh they could take battering rams to uh to snow pile ups i mean there's yeah. so many creative things you can do with there's military so things, equipment yeah. snow yeah so that's our republican suck all right should we go on to isn't that weird all right so this is a typical you know we've all been there a woman strips down to her underwear to use her dress as a face mask at ice cream store in argentina and stunned father uh, struggles to look elsewhere this is the moment a fearless woman entered an Argentinian ice cream parlor in her undies because she wanted to use her dress as a face mask to be served. The bizarre scene was filmed in the city of Godoy Cruz in the western Argentine province of Mendoza uh, at around 10.40 p.m. on January 1st. On the, in the CCTV footage, a father and his three daughters are seen approaching the counter to place their order as the woman enters the parlor, apparently in her undies. I mean, I don't know what, why you have to say apparently because it's on video, but can we just see the video, Wilson, please? So for those of you just listening, the woman comes in. She's already not wearing any any outer garment. She is wearing underwear and a bra, and she just wraps her dress around her face, and you see the father and his three daughters, who, by the way, dude, you got to put, thank you, his, his mask was under his nose. Um, he just raised it above his nose. Now we see his, his three daughters are pointing to ice cream. Uh, they're playing a very cool. And uh, during that moment, the, the woman leaves. They refuse to serve her. She was told to put on a mask. Appar apparently, some, some background actually is that she arrived there with 10 other people, all of whom did not have a face mask with them. <laughs> then she says, uh, don't ask for my face mask. I'm putting it on. Then the group of friends were eventually able to buy 11 ice creams after someone managed to source a face mask. So, I mean, I think that this woman, I, I, I'm trying to figure out if she, if this is a question of anti-mask activism or just resourcefulness or attempted resourcefulness, that's kind of a fail, you know? I think she's doing her best. I mean, obviously she's trying to comply. She and, was trying to uh, comply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, she uh she uh, and obviously she's with 11 people that's a big crew so big crew. they really wanted ice cream obviously yeah and maybe she was the fallen woman mm -hmm. but i gotta say what they should have done is had someone who didn't go in donate an article of clothing for the mask that's a good point 
you know, like uh, there probably was a person. And also it's a big, that's a big commitment address. That's one and done. You know what I mean? You want someone who has a shirt on and pants mm-hmm. or a shirt and a skirt, you, you know, then that gives you the opportunity to not be totally naked. So I think maybe she's just an exhi- exhibitionist who used the COVID mask as a, as an excuse. In which case, you know, Shame we're about her. to be, I mean, in which case this could spark a worldwide okay, movement right. of exhibitionists everywhere. Hiding, hiding, peeling it off. Yeah. The, yes. The, this, the, this could spark a whole new movement. We, we've seen the anti-mask movement, anti-lockdown movement. Right. This, this, this could spark the exhibitionist movement using the pandemic inspired an by this woman as an opportunity. Yeah. Right. We shouldn't, you know, you know what? We should censor this whole episode because I don't want to give anyone ideas. We shouldn't. And we should warn children everywhere to cover your eyes when you walk outside now, you know. Yeah. They need masks locked. that cover yeah. the whole face. Exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. will lead to another pandemic of, of street injuries, people bumping into each other. Oh, my God. This oh could be God. calamitous. This, this, we, this, this incident could spark dueling worldwide movements, you know, of exhibitionists peeling it off and then of parents rushing to protect their children from having to see that a rash of injuries fights in ice cream parlors around the world yeah um i don't know katie I, we all talk about what a scary time this is i we i've never been more alarmed this. than right now I know. yeah i mean yeah. we should be grateful for how how good it's been so far because the whole <laughs> exhibitionist ice cream uh fight dystopia hasn't come yet but it's now not. we know it's coming oh my god we didn't know how good we had it we did I think, not know i think the one thing that would help all those Injuries would be if we had more military-grade weapons, though. There we go. That's there true. Go. You're right. That's, right. That's right. So then That's they would right. like, because they would like threaten people to to redress. Yeah, like there. I mean, it's well known the only way to stop an exhibitionist is to threaten them with military-grade equipment. Yeah. You know, they they don't they they're so uh, committed, fervent in their beliefs. They're so committed yeah. to the exhibitionism that they can't be deterred unless there's a threat of of military force. Yeah, I guess we should thank this woman for. Well, let's see. Should we thank her or curse her? Yeah, hero or villain? I mean, that's hero or villain? Yeah, exposer, exposer yeah. of of the truth. Is she? Do we credit her for exposing a problem that's just under the surface, or is she <laughs> going to lead to copycat crimes? Well, I'm gonna uh, credit you for those great puns there, Katie. Thank you. Yeah, She's under really the unmasking it, it, exactly. this movement. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hiding behind the pandemic. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's our. Isn't that weird? Aaron, what do we got for Isn't That Terrible? For Isn't That Terrible, it's called Crocodile Bites Man Taking Selfie with Plastic Croc. This uh, is a a troubling incident, but uh, one that we have to see. We just got to see it. Wilson, you have it? It says here, and it says here, a tourist was attacked by a crocodile at an amusement park in Cagayan de Oro City, Philippines. Nehemias Chapada 68 had climbed into the reptile's pool to take a selfie, mistaking the animal for a realistic plastic model. The man suffered several broken bones and eight bite wounds. So... I don't know why. Like, it's, it's good, I mean, it could be more terrible. He escaped. Oh, 12 foot reptile. Sorry. He did manage to get away. But not before the crocs' massive jaws left their mark. Can you imagine going into that thing, into that pool, thinking you're going to take a selfie with a huge plastic crocodile, only to see it's a huge actual crocodile i mean that's so scary by the way just small note to the new york post it's a compelling enough story we don't need that music on top i know true you know let's get the raw footage right we just need the raw footage it's more effective that way actually a lot more effective yeah you know more chilling um but yeah look this let's let's make this a psa you know do not if you're going to an amusement park uh do not climb into uh, a pool uh, no matter right. whether you think, the, you know, the reptiles are, are real or not, just just yeah. don't do it. You know, stay Air away. on the side, air on the side of caution. I mean, in his defense, I got to say, it is a weird kind of weird thing to have an amusement park. I almost under now I would never have done that. Mm-hmm. 
but it is a little bit of a weird thing to have in amusement parks. Like if this guy were at a zoo, it would be totally indefensible, inexcusable. Right. That's just right. incredibly stupid. Yes. Um, now, I don't know, though, if this is something that's maybe in Philippine, uh, in the Philippines, maybe amusement parks typically have this. I'm not mm. sure. But yeah. I, so this is we should do a PSA to both him and amusement parks. Try not to have killer animals at amusement parks. I think that's fair, right? Like, yes, I, he probably thought it was a ride. Yeah, I mean, uh, he 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 went in there. He saw what he thought was a plastic, a realistic, a very realistic plastic model. I guess the croc wasn't moving, right? Which uh, you know, which they oh my God, which yeah. they do, you know, right? So I could see it how that setup. It was actually yeah. a setup. That's isn't that terrible? Is the setup? He's not, you know, and you see him bleeding a little bit. But if you also, uh, Wilson, if we could rewind the video and watch it again, you're gonna see another piece of of uh kind of mitigating um evidence i'm increasingly blaming the amusement park hmm. i feel bad i victim blamed now pause it right pause it okay right there what do we see there we see it looks like a plastic huge turtle right now that's not a real turtle right who knows uh, that could be real it could be a real <laughs> turtle who's real. very still right but i think it may be a plastic maybe a fake turtle hmm in which case that only created more evidence for this poor guy. He's like, I'm at an amusement park. I'm not at a zoo. Here's mm. a huge turtle. Right. That I could pose with. Right. And also a huge crocodile that I could pose with. But does he think it's part of a ride to go into the pool? Uh, certainly, if the turtle is fake, let's not put a fake turtle by a real reptile. Let's, yeah. you know, that's definitely that, a good takeaway. Yeah. And look, you know, thankfully, this could have been way worse that could have resulted in in a fatal injury yeah chomp. And so yeah geez but yeah or loss of hand loss of limb i mean there's a lot yeah. of room between what happened and what could have happened yes yeah but maybe he can sue yeah. you know i started out blaming him and i feel maybe he can sue the i would sue the amusement park certainly if this were in the u.s i mean there there would be lawsuits galore right now yeah i don't know if if when you go into an amusement park if you you know if you sign it's away your waiver, rights to sue right. Yeah. If I was running an amusement park, I would definitely make everyone do that. Yeah, because, I would too. You know, yeah. It's just so many things can happen in an amusement park. I uh, mean, without putting live crocodiles that exactly. give yeah. off the vibe of being Oh, yeah. Fake. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Falling yeah. out of uh, roller coasters, Ferris wheels breaking, all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. Do you like yeah. amusement parks? I can't remember the last time I went to one. In Vancouver, where I grew up, we got our first amusement park uh with this thing called expo 86 and uh, you know like that every you know every few years there's the world expo and 86 was in vancouver and it was pretty cool it was yeah. pretty cool it was pretty exciting back then but that was a long time ago and now um i haven't been to one in a long time uh and i've i've thought about like you know if i became a parent would i want to bring my kids to disneyland is disneyland is that a positive experience for a child or is this like is this, is, it, is this exposing your kid to like a like a, a capitalist dystopia essentially right um you know so but i i shout out to parents every year who have to confront that dilemma yeah have to make because kids because kids are bombarded with ads basically trying to get them to go to disneyland yeah and that's got to be disney tough world. to resist or disney, or disney world, world yeah. yeah i like water parks those are fun oh sure that's a great time lazy river if you want to keep it chill absolutely absolutely it's current a water park is a fantastic time yeah such a fun funny how how that is different from amusement park yeah everything's better with water uh let's 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 copyright that sell it as a that's a great mantra everything is better with water you know starting with your starting with your uh your body like your life system exactly you know your body's better with water because you don't have water then you're going to die yeah so it you know starting from that premise everything is certainly better yes. yeah it is it's it's yeah. much prettier have you been to the russian baths of course in new york of course. The yeah of course that's fun of yeah. course i think that recently reopened oh really yeah yeah so that's for people who don't know that's where you do the typical cold water hot water yeah. so they have like uh saunas and steam rooms that's what they have the, the cold water plunge that you can do then yes. you can take like a hot shower it's the whole cycle yes yeah yes yes it must be yeah. very good for you it's great it's great. And uh, it's run by a bunch of very uh, eccentric. Uh, Two Russian brothers. Yes. 
yes. who hate each yeah. other. They, yes, apparently, yeah. You can't use, they have Groupons, and you can't use, like, Boris and David, I think are their names, and you can't yeah. use, like, the Boris Groupon days that David is running the spa, and you can't use the David Groupons days that Boris is running the spa. <laughs> we should, I mean, I can't believe that they've been able to keep that business going, uh, <laughs> despite that feud. Yeah. And then the men, they hit each other or themselves with like, um, has a very weird, like self-flagellating thing. Yes. Um, yes. Banya, I think it's called. So they're yeah. like twigs that you hit yourself with in the, in the sauna. I mean, I've never done it. I've just. I, me, me either. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, apparently it's, uh, it, it has some kind of, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the impact. impact is, but it's certainly very popular. Yeah. And, you know, Kate, I don't know how serious we get on the show, but if I could take a moment just to say. You know, look, you know, uh, New Year's, winter is a hard time for people. And uh, I'm being serious here. In my experience, when I've had low moods, like bad moods, I know what you're gonna uh, depressive say. moods, going under a cold shower is uh, is really effective. There's like a book about it by a guy named huh. Wim Hof, I think. Oh, yeah. The guy who and, does the breathing stuff. Yeah. And I, and I did it uh, recently because I was in a really bad mood. And it totally, it wakes up some kind of life force inside of you. Wow. That makes your, you know, that reminds your body, uh, which has shut this part down because of your, of your bad mood, that it wants to live and, and thrive. Right. And so doing that woke me up and it, it, it got me out of a bad mood. So if you happen to unfortunately find yourself in a bad mood up there, you know, try it out. Uh, yeah. Try going under, under some cold water in the shower. It, it It's effective. But then if you like make it warm, does your bad mood return? <laughs> yes yeah yeah right yeah your 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 uh body punishes you for yeah. trying to seek some right. relief so yes yeah yes no we no no, no we should do no. an experiment we should do one day i'm gonna do useful idiots post cold shower well i have to I'll get into a bad mood first but yeah that's, i'll do it that's too okay that's easy I'll do it too. to do yeah, yeah. and we'll be you know nothing but just uh cheery and yeah. positive and every single word is going to be a word of upliftment and of inner peace right. and equanimity. Yeah. Sounds like every show. <laughs> yeah. That was great. That was the four basic food groups plus some life hacks uh, <laughs> and tips. And uh, we are now going to bring on our guest. We are so excited to bring on this very smart and funny man, uh, David Cross. Uh, you know him from so many things. Uh, Mr. Show, Arrested Development, small part in my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, Waiting for Guffman. Uh, his most recent comedy special is Oh Come On. And I'm speaking of none other than David Cross. Aaron and listeners, do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, David Cross. So excited to have you joining us. Thank you. Tell us what you are up to right now. Well, I'm uh, just finishing putting the final touches on the post of a special I shot, stand-up comedy special uh, I shot in November. And that'll be coming out in February, I want to say February 12th. It'll be available, at least it'll be available um, on my website officialdavidcross.com it's called i'm from the future and uh i have no idea when this thing is gonna air is that i guess air isn't really applicable anymore is yeah, it what do you when, uh, yeah well not? it's not it's not like because it's not like television it's right. not yeah it's not yeah so when it'll be released when when this podcast will stream yeah uh, february yeah. 12th available i'm from the future officialdavidcross.com there you go Thanks so for letting you, me plug. Yeah, of course. I was going to say, how do you, I mean, I'm, I'm caught up on all your specials and, you know, of course, huge fan. Uh, how do we even ask you about this, this release from I'm from the future, which is from the future. Mm -hmm. uh, like, how do you talk about that without spoiler alerts? Are we allowed to ask you some of about some of the content? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I can't, I'll 
preface this by saying, and this should give you a bunch of information. So I was scheduled to go out on tour and it would have been uh, like most tours I do pretty extensive. The, what I have done the past three specials, past three tours is I look at the calendar, I find a midway point. Let's say I do 80 shows. Uh, so around show 40, I uh, look to find out where I am. doesn't matter where. And I go, okay, I'm going to tape the special there because my act, uh, especially if I'm doing it night after night, tends to evolve and grow. I, I don't just do the same exact stuff and I build on certain bits. And the show midway through a tour is, you know, roughly 25% different than the show that I started with. And then at the very end of the tour, I'll pick, uh, again, doesn't matter where, I'll do the like last two or three dates. I'll tape those sets. And then that'll be the audio portion that comes out same name, same special name, but the audio portion will be 30% different than the TV taping. So uh, I wasn't able to do that this time because I had to cancel the tour, which I've never had to do. Uh, very, very disappointing because it's, it's one of my favorite things in the whole world is going out and touring and doing stand-up all over the country, all over Europe. So much of what I was doing, uh, or a good chunk of it, was stuff that I knew... I wouldn't be doing, uh, let's say, a year and change from now when I could get back out on the road because it just wouldn't feel topical or relevant. Um, there were some things that happened that I talk about uh, that aren't current events, um, things that happened in my, my life that would also feel weird doing it a year and a half later. And so I, I didn't want to just lose that material. So I kind of scrambled and put together as quick as I could a, a production team and got, I don't know if you're familiar with the Bell House in Gowanus. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great, great venue. Uh, played there, you know, a million times and I was able to get a couple nights. They, they were kind enough to squeeze me in. I got a couple nights. I got some cameras, some producers, some mics and shot it. And, uh, and that's what is out that's what's coming out. I'm, it's called I'm from the future. One of the things that, you know, one of the things that's up until recently has really been a third rail and it's kind of changed is the Israel-Palestine issue. And I saw that you tweeted when Andrew Yang tweeted his very embarrassing, this word gets overused, but it really was cringe, cringy. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm standing with the people of Israel who are coming under bombardment attacks and condemn the Hamas terrorists. The people of NYC will always stand with our brothers and sisters in Israel who face down terrorism and persevere. And then you, you replied to that. Nope. Then you replied to that seriously, fuck all the way off. So, yeah. uh, did you get just like from your friends and family, was it, do you get pushback on that issue? No, I mean, my, I would say almost 100% of my my friends and family are um, pro human being and uh, pro uh, humanity and uh, aren't uh, emotionally blinded to uh, seeing something through one side. There, uh, so most of my friends and family, and it's why I choose my friends, you know, and okay. why they choose me, you know, and uh, is that we can at least attempt to uh, detach ourselves emotionally from a situation and, and see, see it in its totality. And, um, and also it, it, that was Andrew Yang being, uh, you know, politically expedient because he's running for mayor yeah. of a, a city with way more uh, Jewish power than Palestinian power. And uh, so that's why he did that. So that's it that's also part of the fuck all the way off because you're full of shit. And I bet if we sat down and had a conversation where there was no microphones and we were just in a bar and we had a couple beers, I bet you wouldn't, you feel a little bit differently and you would recognize the situation for what it is, but cause you're running for office and you have to try to get as many people on your side as possible. You have to equivocate and you have to lie. That's what a politician does. They lie, they equivocate, uh, some do it better than others. Some, you know, don't pander and still are yeah. successful, but that's what he was doing. And that was part of the reason I said that response. Also, I think the use of the word bombardment is, um, yeah. is pretty insensitive and he's just full of shit. So that's why I said that. Yeah. And that was from May when Israel was literally bombarding. 
Yeah. And speaking of politicians who don't pander and who aren't full of shit, of course, I'm a Bernie. I appreciated <laughs> your Bernie would have won line. In your yeah. Special. Yeah. Well, it, well, that came from uh, conversations with my wife, who was a uh, Hillary Clinton supporter in 2016, and then an Elizabeth Warren supporter. Okay. Um, this, is a safe, this is a safe space. Oh, I don't care. Also, whatever. I, I'm a, I'm, I, uh, again, I'm not tribal. I don't yeah. look at, I don't, I wouldn't vote for someone just because they were tick off whatever box you want to tick off. You know, I, I vote for philosophy and ideals. You know, I was, I was way closer to Elizabeth Warren's yeah. ideals than I was Hillary Clinton's who I do not. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I said what I said and I, uh, you know, said it over the last couple specials, but I don't, I don't agree with many of, uh, of her ideas. And I think sadly and tragically and ironically that for so many people who were Hillary Clinton supporters, who were anti-Bernie, Bernie Sanders policies, uh, had they been enacted, would have increased equality and uh, betterment of life for way more women than Hillary Clinton's would have multiplied by 15. So yeah. that was a uh, that was a very it was frustrating to have those conversations with people who I think were a bit blinded by tribalism. And it's it's just too bad. Were you among those who who thought that Bernie was a shoe in? I was. I thought Bernie was for sure going to take it, and I was like, really being cocky. Yeah, yeah. On oh, the no. eve of the twenty twenty primary, I was really cocky. Oh yeah, What's and it was no. pretty humiliating. No, I did not. Uh, I don't even think for. A I, I allowed myself to be buoyed by hope, and yeah. uh, but that's another thing that I think is successful for myself in the way that I approach all aspects of life is I don't have. My highs aren't that high. My lows aren't that low, which is good because I can be very low and get very low quite often. But if I, I just, I don't get too excited about that stuff. I, and who knows if, if he had uh, won the primary, I might have for the first time. Yeah. Um, I also do believe uh, without a doubt, without any hesitation, again, it's a hypothetical, we'll never know, but I do all logic tells me that he would have, I mean, would have been a landslide over Trump. Uh, yeah. And I think Hillary Clinton was, um, you know, the, the machine was in place and uh, they made some, you know, obvious blatant mistakes that Bernie Sanders never would have or other uh, nominees for that matter. People I didn't necessarily care for, but uh, I don't think they would have made the blatant egregious mistakes that the Clinton campaign did. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that you said time. And, there's, and also there's no baggage. There's like that. There was that one thing they tried to stick on him about the other house and, and then his wife's. There was the other house and then there was uh, his wife's um, management of university the university. Yeah, the uh, yeah, university or, thing. Yeah. That was it. That's all they had. And, and then a fancy jacket. He had an expensive yeah. jacket that it turned out because I remember when I saw that, I was well, kind of like, no who baggage. cares? Who cares? Yeah. But I was like, I could imagine burn. I couldn't imagine buying a fancy jacket. I imagine them being like, that's ridiculous. Like I'd never, you know, it's absurd to spend that much on a jacket. And then it turned out that it was a gift from his son who yeah. like worked at the. Now, again, this doesn't matter, but it was kind of funny because I was like, that's not the Bernie I know and love. Not that it would have mattered, but yeah, it's just but it, that's all they had. It never stuck. They yeah. and that's all they have. And and you know, uh, Hillary Clinton had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of baggage. Yeah. They tried so, to get you know. him for not siding. They tried to get him for not siding with the Contras. That was amazing. When the New York Times did a deep dive about how he had sided with. Oh, Trump yeah. Trump. Well, and they found some uh, footage from like 19, some kinescope or something. Yeah, from that, that too, 1978, yeah. where he's like, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, communist or whatever. And yeah, I mean, it just like was a joke. But yeah, I definitely, as someone who identifies as a feminist, was very much part of the kind of thinking that you described earlier, which is that Bernie's fight for 15, like just the fact that he supported raising the minimum wage, mm -hmm. which obviously affects women and people of color disproportionately, just just one example. Yep. 
And oh, just like, one of that's many. the feminist position. Yeah. 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 One of many. Yeah. It was it was it was frustrating and disappointing and it was just tribal. It's stupid. I think there's a lot of investment in one person's journey also. And can can I also just uh, I want to qualify this as these are I'm talking about folks who liked if you just wrote down the ideas on a piece of paper. And uh, um, I'm not even talking about people who were put off by his personality or, you know, really, truly liked Hillary Clinton and were truly centrist, whether yeah. you, that's a whole different argument. I'm talking sure. about the, the feminist, uh, both male and female, the, the, the people who are hardcore, like uh, these are things I believe in and that's why I'm with her. And uh, it's that section of people. If you, if you believe in centrist policy, then that this argument doesn't apply to you at all. Right. It's, I'm just talking about people who are like, I want to do, you know, we need a female president and the best thing for women is, you know, this. And uh, they, I think they're just uh, tragically, sadly wrong. And, uh, and it's too bad in a, a probably once in a lifetime, several generation opportunity to do all the things, or at least some of the things that you wanted to do for women and children and people of color was missed because of that. That's yeah. what I'm talking I'm talking to that audience, right. which is a, I'm not talking to the people who are like, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a social liberal and a fiscal conservative. Right. Those people, okay, that's fine. Then you chose, yeah. you went the right way. Right. Then it makes sense that you go, well, breaking up the banks and racism, no. <laughs> the most criminal thing she said, probably. Matt wanted to know this, our producer. Um, mm -hmm. What your thoughts on the sketch from Bob and David where you tried to get a cop to get aggressive and, and you wore blackface and that, that's removal from Netflix. Well, I thought that was um, disappointing. And um, it speaks to the, uh, the, there's no real, we don't have time or patience or uh, even a desire to have a discussion, a rational, logical, intellectual discussion about something. And, and people will just say uh, out of fear or emotion, just uh, say, no, you can't see this, 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 we don't want to upset anybody. We don't need to rock the boat. And um, again, it's capitalism. The sketch in no way condones blackface it's the it's making fun of a guy the the measures a guy will go to and then of course the one asshole in the bit is the white cop uh because he's dealing with a black cop i, I mean it, it, you know when you try to intellectualize comedy you mean you take all the comedy out and to me and to bob it was pretty obvious we're both thoughtful people. Um, but if you don't think about it, then all you're seeing is a guy in blackface. Uh, so there's no context to it. But I learned uh, several years ago that, and it's probably the kind of most dangerous part of all of what, what the discourse is now and has become, that is to say no discourse, is that uh, people are not interested in context at all. In context is extremely important, but people don't care. They just don't care. It steps on the thing they don't they they choose to see and or choose not to see. So context doesn't matter anymore, uh, and context is everything. So you intellectually you've lost uh, any ability to rationalize something or uh, discuss something because people just aren't interested in context. Yeah, you think it's it's having an impact? Is it is it constraining? You think people's sense of freedom to do the comedy that they want, or is the fear about that being being overblown. Um, well, I, it's both. I mean, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, people have talked about it. The comics have said, "I can't say this thing anymore. I can't do that thing anymore." But I would say to those comics, then you're you're just being a pussy, and you you that's on you. You need to either figure out how to say the thing you want to say, uh, and maybe you have to dress it up a little bit more than you normally would like to, but you can still say the thing you want to say. Uh, if you piss people off, and look, I'm saying this as somebody who said a lot of controversial stuff that people don't agree with, people get upset with, but 
outside of a handful of jokes that, you know, I did a while ago, I can justify everything by every joke I make. You don't want to justify on stage. That's just a waste of time and it stops being a comedy show. But that's part of what stand-up can be is you do your bit and you, through humor and through showing hypocrisy or ironies or whatever, you know, you can show examples of what you're talking about. So you can, you know, if you're if you're a good comic, you can figure that part out. Um, if you can't defend something, then that's on you as well. Uh, but to those comics who are like, I can't, you know, I can't make fun of, you know, stupid bitches anymore. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> that's maybe figure out a way to maybe different language uh, or something, or maybe come at your approach your joke from a, a different way. You know, what canceling is only if, you know, and again, this, I'm, what I'm talking about applies strictly to stand up because obviously our sketch was canceled. They took the entire episode off. Um, initially, they were going to carve that little sketch out, but they just took the whole episode off and said, you can't see this because there's a guy wearing blackface. Too bad, but that's uh, um, capitalist society and Netflix doesn't want to made a, a choice like we'd rather not deal with this controversy and uh and we're just gonna yank it yeah. that's their choice their business even though it's critiquing racism i mean that's what so it doesn't matter context doesn't matter so frustrating Con- context yeah. doesn't matter katie they there's a guy in blackface people got upset and they said okay uh and that means everybody else who might have less of an emotional response or can get past that emotional response and see the underlying meaning in the sketch uh they they're the ones who suffer uh because you just don't get to see it now because other people didn't care about the context or refused to hear the context i wonder if because you've made so much fun of republicans that that helped you not become like like uh like a cause celebra for for republicans after netflix removed the sketch Oh, you mean like they didn't defend his his? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't like come to the defense of David Cross. Victim, victim uh, of cancel yeah. culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I I honestly think it just didn't register, and it didn't have, and they removed it pretty quickly. I mean, this thing, you know, people spotted it or mentioned because it was out for a long time before somebody bitched about it, and. And they removed it very, very quickly, like within 36 hours of people going, hey, this is, you know, did you see this? This is an outrage. Uh, Cancel David Cross and Bob Odenkirk. And so before it really had a chance to, you know, because the the there's outrage every 24 hours. There's a new outrage over something somebody said. And so it just never really stuck. And and the show wasn't a huge cultural phenomenon and had been around obviously for years so they just yanked it and that that didn't really stick and i think people just moved on to you know other things that were equally as outrageous as that sketch like trying to overthrow the government or something like that well equally as important as that question uh that event is it findable that that sketch i don't know I would imagine somewhere. I don't know. Someone has it. I don't. I mean, it's not, it's not anything I'm going to fight for. I put out yeah. a statement. They, they, you know, various people ask for a statement. I put something out. I cleared it with Bob. And Bob's like, that's great. Put it out there. And I put it out. And that's out somewhere. I don't know. I just don't keep track of that stuff. And I heard that for this tour, for this special, you did a bunch of warm-up shows in Brooklyn at which you asked your fans to give you feedback during the shows, I'm wondering how that went. Uh, well, it's not during the show, but yes, the the way I've put the last uh, two tours and what would have been this tour together is I have these shows that I do where it's just called uh, shooting the shit, seeing what sticks, and I go up there with ideas because I'm starting fresh. I've burned all my material on the last tours, the last special, the last audio. Maybe not all of it. I have a few things, few bits that I didn't that I dropped along the way that didn't that I have in my back pocket that I'll I can work on. But mostly starting from scratch, and I have these ideas and a notebook, and I go up and uh, smaller venues at first. I usually usually do um, 
Union Hall in Brooklyn. Uh, and I'll just kind of do residency, residency, do one or two shows a week for a couple months and tape the sets. And at the end, I, I'll kind of like sort of riff on a bit and I'll, the, it's a dialogue with the audience. And uh, I go, you know, well, that, that didn't really work out. Uh, um, you know, there's some bits that obviously need work on. Some bits are, you know, are, are pretty much there when you start it. And some bits like change dramatically, you know, uh, it's just the approach to maybe the point of view of the, the bit I'm doing. Um, and then once it kind of starts feeling like a thing, like, oh, after a couple months, maybe like around six weeks in and I start moving to bigger venues and I have less guests and I'm doing way more time. And um, it's starting like, oh, here, I think we've got something here. It's developing a personality. And then that's kind of phase two. And I, that's really where I'm talking to the audience going, what do you think? Uh, uh, is this bit too long? Is it too mean? Is it, you know, whatever. I just talk and do kind of Q and A at the end of the, at the end of the, show and then kind of part three is when i really feel like I, this is this is what i'm going to do i've got all the bits and now i have to sequence them um, which is a very important part of putting a set together is what come at least for me you know what comes where finding segues to bits um the the kind of crafting the emotional tone like i don't want to be too angry here and I don't want to be too silly here and, and I want to be silly for this amount of time and angry for this, amount of time, you know, trying to, to weave it all into one kind of feeling. And, uh, and that's where I really start asking questions because it's about sequencing at that point. And how was the feedback? Was it, was it helpful? Oh, always. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I've, I've, I know everybody says this and it's obviously uh, subjective, but I've got, the best fans. I mean, uh, and, and I get, uh, each time I get people who come out to three, four, five different shows over the course of, uh, whatever it takes, like three to five months to put a, a set together from scratch. And, and the show changes dramatically, as you might imagine, as I start working on bits and, you know, where it's less free form and, uh, and they're very helpful and they're, they, they, in fact, it was the audience that named the last two specials I did, they're the ones who came. Cause I would, I would come up with a bunch of names that are always too pretentious or too um, punny. You know, they're there. It's either a dumb kind of dad joke pun or it's really pretentious. And the audience lets me know. Cause, and then, so the last two, the last two specials were uh, somebody from the audience said, why don't you call it? Oh, come on. And everybody would applaud and go, yeah, great. Good. That's much better than my bad idea. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to make sure that we mention? Or um, I, if you want to come see me, I will be uh, uh, tomorrow, uh, roughly around two twenty in the afternoon. I'll be in the uh, uh, meat aisle at the key foods on um on uh, Fulton. And uh, I can't, I mean, I may be a few minutes off on that, but I will be there. Uh, I'm going to make chili for the family, make a big old pot of chili. Uh, it's one of my specialties. My daughter requested it. So I should, I'll be in the meat aisle. Well, this is going to air later. So I won't, I will have been at the meat aisle at yeah, Key Foods. Uh, so apologies if you've missed me. Don't go there now when you're here. This is a little like pre- um pre-tape call-in show yeah um yeah okay yes i'm from the future oh yeah check out i'm from the future um officialdavidcross.com and i hope you enjoy it thank you so much this is great all right guys well well thank you so much stay safe yeah and be good yeah thanks david and to hear the rest of the interview please go to usefulidiots.substack.com that was great. That was awesome. Uh, what a yeah. thoughtful guy. I've been Very a fan thoughtful. of his for a long time. It was cool to yeah. hear him talk about what he's doing. And I'm excited to see his new special. I yeah, love every one of his that I've seen. Yeah, me too. I love his high Hitler joke. From So from funny. Make, it's so funny. Yeah. We can't do it, but that's a great bit. Yeah, that's a great it, bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's very talented. It's really cool to see him in um, The Deep Divide, which is about a naturalist uh, search for... Uh, a species uh 
And so that's a dramatic role, right? It's yeah, not it's a, a comedy. dramatic role. Yeah. yeah. And it was very physically trying. Like he really goes in the water. I was listening to an interview he did on that. But yeah, really funny, really smart. I wonder there. I had so many more questions, but we don't have all day. We'll have to have him on again in the future from the future. Yeah, in the future. I just sent well, a picture to my family of David Cross to say we were interviewing him. And my mom sends back to the whole family. Oh, cool. The anal rapist. And my dad's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but thanks guys so much for watching. Make sure that you rate and review us on iTunes. You can find the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube by hitting subscribe and then the bell. Join the Substack, usefulidiots.substack.com and you'll get great paywalled uh, exclusive material. Like me, like me, as I, as I disclosed at the beginning of the show, I'm, uh, you can join me in being a member. Exactly, yeah. Not just a, a co-host, also a member. <laughs> also a member, exactly. Hello, thank you so much for listening to and watching Useful Idiots. For full episodes and extended interviews, please subscribe at usefulidiots.substack.com. You can subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash usefulidiots for clips, live streams, and full episodes. Also, subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at usefulidiotpod and use the hashtag usefulidiotspod. Join us Mondays at 10 a.m. for the Useful Idiots Monday Morning Show, where we discuss the Sunday morning news shows so you don't have to watch them. 